Hello and welcome to Nintendo Nostalgia episode 163. I'm your host Ryan Black and I am joined by two guests this week, no co-hosts. So uh, I wanted to bring on uh, Robbie, who has been on the show before, um, and also uh, we've also bring on Tony here. Um, now, Tony, you've been on before. Or is this your first time? This is my first time. Awesome. Welcome. Welcome. So uh, I, I've, I've, it's not the uh, the first time we've had a new uh, Hutchinson on the show. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it's nice to have uh, have the collection, you know, keep, keep growing. Uh <laughs> I doubt we'll ever get your your sister on, but uh... <laughs> there is another though. There is one more brother. Oh yes, okay, okay. Who have I not collected yet? <laughs> Joey, but Joey's rather elusive. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. So um, before we get into the show, I want to go ahead and play the voicemail that we have. It's kind of the an intro voicemail from Josh. So. Uh, he couldn't make it tonight, but he will talk about what all was involved with that. So here we go. Hey, everybody. It's Josh. Just wanted to call and welcome our guest. I'm sorry I'm not there this evening. I have uh, lost out on a good bit of sleep thanks to some stray cats that have decided to dance on the roof right above the bedroom. Anyway, um, in other news, um also want to thank Ryan for coming all the way out here over the weekend and coming and seeing the Sonic movie with us. We had a great time. The movie is awesome. Um, if you're a Sonic fan or just a game fan in general, uh, I would suggest going and checking that thing out. Um, no, not everybody's going to love it, but I think it turned out quite great. Probably my favorite video game-related movie. Um, so anyway, you all have a good episode, and I will talk to you later. Bye. All right. So uh, he said welcome, and sorry he couldn't make it. Um so, uh, just wanted to ask real quick before we get into what we're actually about. Did any of you see the Sonic movie? I did. Actually. I did actually. I took Chaz to go see it. Awesome. So, Robbie, you have not seen it yet, correct? I have not had to work, unfortunately. Do you have any desire to see it? Yes, very much so. Okay. All right. I hope you guys are feeling great and doing good. Um, I know it's been hard uh, trying to find a time where we all can record together, um, but we found it found it on this Tuesday night, um, and. Uh, Looking forward to this Pokemon episode, um, and we'll get into that topic a little later. But first, let's get into what we are Radical Rexing about. All right, so Tony, I gotta know, what are you Radical Rexing about? Well, uh, I'm a school teacher, and I just had an impromptu five-day weekend. Wow. Yeah, between sickness and snow and President's Day, we got Thursday, Friday, and Monday off. So while that was fun... I got to play some Switch. I got to do stuff like that. But I, I was actually really radical wrecked about being back to school today uh-huh. uh, and working with my drama club kids. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but speaking now Nintendo side of things, uh, I started playing Shield over the weekend. I played sort of – I've beat it. I'm one Pokemon shy of the Pokedex. I need the, I need the Shield legendary. Mm-hmm. So I started playing Shield. And I'm like, you know what? We'll make this team really great, a shiny Charizard. So I opened up Let's Go and started shiny hunting a Charmander. And about four hours in or so, I get me a shiny Charmander. Awesome. So I was really excited to get pull that shiny hunt off. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then I, I saw the Sonic movie, got to see it with my dad and my little brother, Chaz, who's been on the show before. Uh, so... 
like it was it was a fun silly movie that's what all it wanted to be and that's what it was and I, so i really enjoyed that awesome awesome yes uh i will talk a little bit about the sonic movie but i will go ahead and pass it on to ravi ravi what are you radical rexing about well, me and our other brother have been getting into arcs, uh, arc a lot lately, and uh, nice. Yeah, we they've we did the Christmas. We made our map during the Christmas event, so there's a lot of Christmas colored dinosaurs. Mm. And just over this last week, they had a Valentine's event with a lot of Valentine's Day colored dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. So got like a completely magenta colored dinosaur and like. Uh, a red and purple mecha ducky you know like <laughs> <laughs> so we got some fun stuff like and then of course you know pokemon home came out yes so i've been transferring the pokemon from let's go that will transfer over got you know finally got venusaur and blastoise on my sword and i transferred over one of my extra shiny caterpies and have a shiny butterfree on sword now and been showing that off in max raid battles so awesome <laughs> Oh man, you know, shiny Pokemon. It's it's awesome. Like I, I've come across a couple just in raids, but um, I I missed out. Unfortunately, I was in a raid. Um, it was a Mega or sorry, not Mega. Uh, it was a Gigantamax uh, Gengar, and it was a shiny Gengar. Oh gosh! And I I, jo- I joined in on that battle, and uh, it. I threw the ball. It it did the whole animation. Caught it. Broke out immediately. Oh. Like I was like, no. That's that what was you like, your master ball on. <laughs> I thought about it. I really did, and I should have. I just, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm kicking myself for not doing that. That's crazy. Because that's like, I was like, you know what? I have I have a shiny Gengar, and I've used it for Mega. I've actually got two shiny Gengars now. But of course, they can't do that Gigantamax thing. So it's like. I really like the white look of Gengar. I don't like the regular, like whether it was Mega or what what have you. So like missing out on that, I'm just kicking myself. I'm hoping to get in on another one someday, but oh, you know wow. the odds of that are pretty pretty challenging. Um, well, there's hope. There's a time glitch that you could exploit. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be doing exploiting though. I would probably be joining somebody who may have done that, and I wouldn't know. <laughs> I'm not one to usually cheat like that or use like you know trick the system weirdly enough i i had a shiny uh a shiny drift blim wonder traded to me oh, wow which has, which has a really cool blue and yellow it's really similar to like the quick ball color palette and then i had a shiny japanese ditto but i'm i'm a little worried this one's dubious it, it's like in a master ball and <laughs> yeah that one's a little dubious, but the Driftblim was kind of like, oh, cool. Like, that's a trash Pokemon to a lot of people, but just some people. And a shiny's a shiny in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to get uh, one shiny through a raid. Um, it was, it seemed really popular, though. I saw several of them uh, when I was playing that day. There were several people that threw out the shiny version of it, but it was uh, Sylveon. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's kind of a cool, like, color swap uh it's like the reverse, like the blue and the pink are reversed. Um, I like it. Look, I got to see that one when we were trading all those Pokemon for you. <laughs> so um, I, I did transfer everything over that I could over to from home. I mean, I had my decks all the way up and ready. I had a living decks or 
I should say mostly living decks. There was a couple of Pokemon I needed to breed. I think it was just... I think I had two starters I didn't have the middle form of. And so I just took the time to get those. And so um, I have a living decks. I've completed my living decks so far in Shield. And then my Pokemon home is two Pokemon away uh, from having all the Pokemon. So I'm, I'm really close. I just I need to put in the time to get uh, Meltan and Melmetal to to complete that so best way to do that is to take advantage of the the box and the link with uh with let's go as often as possible linking go and let's go you can catch upwards of 20 of them in that half hour span once you kick that box in now i do have meltan in uh pokemon go um and i do have i don't know if i can reuse the box or if i just got a couple of them or something um the I had the box I had linking linking Eevee and Pikachu. It was uh, it, it it's allowed me to reuse it just as on like a seven day countdown, wow. unless I haven't used it up re- enough. But it just every you seven days you reattach it to your go. You trade one Pokemon, and then the box has been reactive. So I don't know if maybe I just haven't used it enough yet, but it's been like that for me for a while. I uh, it was. I want to say early December or maybe it was November. I uh, connected to someone who who gave me a box from their Switch because um, I haven't played enough of Pokemon Let's Go to really count for that, or I don't know what it would take for that. I still just only just beat the first gym in that game, <laughs> but um, I I just need to buckle down and start doing that. I'm like I'm walking now. I'm using Pokemon Go a little bit more, walking, getting the candies, but 400 candies is a lot. <laughs> a lot but I'm just uh, kind of working for that and it's getting me into Pokemon Go a little bit more so I'm probably going to start leveling a little bit too so I'll, I hope someday to be to level 40 um, mainly because I want to put a Pokestop uh, right where I work because there's nothing down there I think at one time I had a Pokemon pop up there but any other time there's nothing down there it's a dead zone so I'd love to get a uh, Pokestop put in there. I know you can when you get to forty, you can suggest ones. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the success rate is if you suggest them, but uh, my brother used to suggest uh, suggest them on Ingress, which is the other Niantic game, mm-hmm. and then he would see Pokestops pop up where the new Ingress spots would pop up. Hmm. Um, and as long as you met their criteria, like if you you know they don't like it if it seems residential mm-hmm. or stuff like that, they're not going to let you put one in your house or but. Uh, but as long as you follow their rules, they're pretty, pretty common. Like, oh, you want to stop there? There's not a lot of stops there. You got to stop now. I'm kind of curious if that's going to even work out because, um, it is a business. Yes. But, uh, there's a guy that lives there upstairs in the apartment. So I don't know how that would play out, but I can hope, Mm. (laughs) but, um, you know, I got to see a Sonic movie. I got to go to uh, Josh's house in uh, West Virginia and, and visit him and his family, and it was really cool. Um, Sonic was amazing. I loved that movie. I've seen it twice now, um, and it's. Uh, <laughs> I saw it last night, and then of course I saw it on uh, on uh, Saturday. So um, yeah, I like it a lot. Um, I think now he, Josh was the first person to point this out. He swears he saw Amy Rose in the background and in, uh, in the bar scene. And uh, I saw it a second time, and, and it looked a lot like it was like a blurry image of Amy Rose. So I think that, that she actually makes an appearance in there. Um, but it could have been a sign, and I just was reading it wrong. But, 
you know, it's I, I like to think that that's there. Um, I also saw the uh, the maraca that was in at the end. And I was like, it's totally Samba Domingo, right? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stretching, I know, but <laughs> trying to find Easter eggs where there's probably none. Um, I'm sure someone on YouTube has broken down all the Easter eggs in the movie already. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a couple, um, and I was like, oh, I, there's a couple I didn't even think of. Um, but it's really cool that they, the love that they put into the into that. Um, you know, there's some product placement in it, but I think it's it's funny enough. <laughs> Blatant product placement, but like hilariously. Timed. Yes, yes. I think my only problem I had with the movie was there was a bit too much of the floss. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, once was enough. But you know, I, I did enjoy every every other part of it. And I think I like it better than detective Pikachu, which is saying something. Um, well, it's on its way to actually outperform detective Pikachu right now. It's had the highest opening of any video game movie adapt or any yeah video game adapted into a movie at this point. So I've got to be honest, I'm extremely nervous now after Sonic did this, like Mario had some big shoes to fill. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really worried. Illumination better do a great job with this because there's a lot riding on that. <laughs> Boy, it's either going to be Despicable Me 1 and be really good, or it's going to be Minions and be really not good. <laughs> uh, I, I'm behind on that series. I haven't seen 3 or Minions. so. <laughs> uh, but I also wanted to say, like, I saw Sonic, and in the previews, uh, they had uh, a Despicable Me trailer. I don't know if it was minions or what it was called but oh, no, it's it's the it's now the fifth one it's the the prequel to how like when grew is a kid okay that's what they're doing so that's exciting too um but yeah no no sign i was hoping that they'd show illumination would show the uh some kind of mario teaser but it didn't happen that would have been perfect <laughs> for that but um <laughs> um when i was looking through the easter eggs for sonic um the things that they said that they they had one thing that I didn't hear mentioned, but it was pretty obvious. I want to say, I can't remember who said, I think it was my brother-in-law, uh, Matt. He said, like, he laughed because he picked up on Sonic saying he hates mushrooms for, like, not just, you know, the mushroom planet, but also, like, Mario. Like, he hates mushrooms because of Mario. <laughs> and I didn't pick up on that until he said something like, wow, that's... That's awesome. <laughs> that rivalry there is a uh, a jab at Mario in some ways, if you read it read it that way. So anyway, enough about Sonic. <laughs> we <laughs> talked about uh, the past three weeks, plenty. <laughs> so um, I'm trying to think, if there's anything else I'm really, really like radical reaction about besides Pokemon and Sonic. But hey, that's a great problem to have. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's a good look for 2020 if. Uh, if that's the stuff that's really exciting me and and uh yeah you know that that itch to play pokemon and to play sonic is there because they're they're in the forefront right now um animal crossing is coming i'm really excited for that too and we've got a direct coming out they just announced today uh the 20th is uh we're going to be getting a i think it's 25 minute video we're finally getting some info about animal crossing it's great um i'm hoping that uh that I'm sold on it because I'm still like apprehensive. I'm not a big, like Minecrafty, like craftier things kind of gamer. I don't like to like make a bunch of things and especially if they're going to break regularly, <laughs> you know, 
um that was like my big thing like there was you could get like an axe in one of the animal crossings and they'd break and you'd have to get a better like purchase something better or something and i didn't like that mechanic even um so i'm a little nervous but hopefully they can sell it for, for really me on that. breath of the wild though so i did um and for that combat system i liked the breaking item and stuff but animal crossing doesn't really have combat i mean <laughs> You can chop someone with an axe, but uh, not, nothing really happens with that. So <laughs> when you get salty at, at your friend for tearing out your flowers, you know, <laughs> like you do. Um, all right. Well, I think that brings us to the tail end of our, uh, our Radical Rexing segment. So so here we go with Pokemon Coliseum. All right, guys. Do you have the date that this released? Uh, released in Japan, November 21st, 2003. In North America, March 22nd, 2004, and in Europe, May 14th, 2004. Okay. Robbie, what was your earliest memory of this game? So this game was actually my first experience with Gen 3, because I did not get Ruby and Sapphire, Mm -hmm. and then Emerald came out after it. Um, So I had pre-ordered it, I believe. Yeah, because I got the Jirachi disc, which you have currently. Um, (laughs) And... Uh, that was an interesting pre-order bonus. And that was also back in the days when you would pre-order a game and you would get the pre-order bonus even if, like, you hadn't gotten the game yet. They would just, you know, which is a policy they had to stop because people uh, just pre-ordering <laughs> games to get the bonus and then canceling the pre-orders. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was my first foray into Gen 3. Um, it was very interesting. Like, I remember seeing the commercials for it you know, the main character just riding on that awesome, like, hover motorcycle thing. And yeah. it's like, I was like, wow, this is like, you know, you know, very much more mature for Pokemon. You know, like, it's a this desert theme, you know, where, like, you can't catch Pokemon. Like, you know, there's, you know, like, like that whole limited resources thing. It ends up, you know, applying into, like, the grindiness of the game, which is something I'll get into later. Because <laughs> it is a very grindy game. Um but no, I remember, you know, popping that in and, you know, being like, oh, wow, this is this is pretty cool. Uh, the only thing I was like, I did kind of miss it not having like that. Some of the aspects that stadium had, like when you first opened up, it did have like kind of a stadium mode to it, but not what we were used to. So in that way, it felt like a step back. But, you know, I got very much into the story and, you know, it was, you know, it was just like. You know, that opening cutscene is just awesome. Like, it's, it's the best opening to any, like, Pokemon game. Like, it's like, oh, I'm just going to bust into this bad guy's place, you know, take their stuff, and, you know, and just uh, look all cool while doing it. So, <laughs> yeah, I got to say, it's like, there was m- so much, like, hype for it at the time, I remember, because it's like, this is that, you know, once you get that first foray into, you know, 3D Pokemon and, like, and all the sprites looked really good, like, or, or models, I should say, not sprites. Um, and they still had the very um, animated, you know, move. You know, when they would use moves, they'd be very animated and stuff. And you saw those in the cutscenes. And so it was very much, you know, like, you know, this what seemed like at the time the future of Pokemon, even though it has kind of taken a while for Pokemon to really get there, you know, at the time this was the big hype of that so yeah that would be my you know first experience with it awesome <laughs> and uh 
<laughs> so Tony, uh, what what was your first experiences with this game? Well, Robbie is about five years older than me, and so my first experience with this game is him bringing it to our house when he would come to visit, and uh, it's seeing the box and the art and the the, the legendaries on the front. Uh, that was that was the experience I had. In fact, I didn't get to play this game until after I played uh, XD Yellow Darkness. Okay. Awesome. So, yeah. So I had already, you know, it was to me it was it was actually all the cooler, all the more interesting. After you know, Gale of Darkness, you get to pick your evolution, blah blah blah. In this one, you just get an Espeon and an Umbreon, and it was like that. That that was so far fetched, so strange. <laughs> oh, far fetched. No pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. It was just. It was, <laughs> It was just, uh, it was, it was mind blowing. And honestly, the closeness of the games to each other, it didn't, it did not feel like a step backwards. Mm-hmm. At that, or at least that big of a step backwards, going from XD to Coliseum. Hmm. I have to wonder, like, had I gone through that timeline, if I would have really f- felt that XD was was just like an expansion of. Of one, of one, uh, and you got that unique experience of experiencing the second one before the first one, um, and and came out like feeling like they're similar. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, I, I'm kind of kicking myself that I didn't actually play XD to really compare. Um, all my love is for Coliseum, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I remember early memories was I believe it was Game Informer. Um, it could have been Nintendo Power, but I remember seeing like the main character they were like talking about him and how edgy he was and and that they had the this weird misty looking girl um that was alongside him and uh and, and they were basically making it like this it's the first console like story pokemon mm-hmm. um you know had its own like it's like this was going to be the first time we, we get a taste of what it would be like to play pokemon on a console um, like an adventure or story, it's not just the stadium side of things. Like it's an evolution of that series, um, and they did include a gimmick with that, you know, where you couldn't actually catch the Pokemon until you could snag them. Uh, certain ones, uh, but still, it was pretty cool. Like nothing is cooler than having an Umbreon and Espeon at your side, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> so that they, they checked off all the edgy, like, like great notes of this story and what it kicks off to be um and i was sold i was hooked i had to get this game i had to pre-order it and so i did pre-order it um i did have the jirachi disc uh, robbie had the jirachi disc i have no idea what happened to my disc i i just it's gone lost the time um but uh, i do have currently have robbie's uh disc and uh i haven't used it yet i'm tempted with uh with pokemon home being a thing to just start porting those over like crazy there you go yeah uh, it's it's tempting i don't i'd have definitely have to pick up a uh, like an emerald or something just to to do that but i've got all the other steps to get there um <laughs> i don't know it, it's really tempting <laughs> if i weren't trying to build my own team on shield i might be spending my resources there and doing that mm-hmm. and then also the meltan raising but but yeah, that's kind of my first experience was just seeing it in magazines, um, getting super hyped about it, and then getting it. Um, and uh, we'll talk about a little bit about that hype staying around 
but uh, the game did have that feature where you could actually do stadium style. Uh, you can play your Pokemon on there. And uh, now I don't remember exactly how the transfer feature worked. Um, it was probably the Game Boy Advance link cable, I'd, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, and was it as as easy as the transfer pack was in in '64? Well, you have to beat the game in order to actually transfer oh. a Pokemon. And then Coliseum. you just yeah, and then you just trade like normal. You just kind of trade Pokemon with uh with your uh Ruby Sapphire. Uh, so it's not like it's not like I just send them over. You have to trade with each other. And that's the really weird thing about. This is like it was in a Pokemon time. Like I didn't like Sapphire that much because there's so much water and so many water HMs, and mm-hmm. like I was like, this is ridiculous. Like there's more HMs than I have slots for a Pokemon to be my HM slave, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had to have it two Pokemon to be HM slaves. <laughs> but um, you know, so going in and porting those over into a Coliseum. Um, it didn't take very long to, to complete that story. Uh, and so that was, I would say, a bit of a fault for that. But uh, still, I would say that was intentional just to get people to be able to trade their Pokemon and, and, and explore that feature. Um, now, this one, like the stadiums before, it had a rental system, correct? You could rent yeah. Pokemon and and play with the teams that they had. For like the stadium features, like yeah, had it, yeah. Because I think I think I remember playing around with that before even being able to do the transfer of Pokemon. But but not for Mount Battle. Mount Battle was you had to use your Pokemon. Okay. Hmm. Well, there's one interesting mechanic we haven't really talked about yet, which you guys did in the XD, but this was the first game to introduce Shadow, the concept of Shadow Pokemon, mm-hmm. which has now been, you know, in uh, the Pokemon Go. But it's very interesting because around this time, to the Pokemon Forever movie came out, which was the one with Celebi. Yeah. For those who yeah don't remember. And until fourth generation kind of soft rebooted the Pokemon lore, um, there was a distinction made that dark Pokemon were not evil. And one of the distinctions was made in that movie with the dark balls, like he would catch the Pokemon in, which would turn them more vicious and things. And and the same with Shadow Pokemon too. Like there was a difference between Shadow Pokemon, Dark type Pokemon. Like they were not necessarily evil. So that's kind of changed in the lore because things like X and Y, you have Yveltal and stuff like who could be considered necessarily evil. Um, and this, the dark type was actually called a coup like in the um, Japanese, you know, which is refer- reference to wickedness, nastiness, underhandedness, you know, things like that. So. Um, but there was still at this time the way how Nintendo was marketing things, you know, dark Pokemon were not bad, you know, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was interesting that they, they went to the length of making Shadow Pokemon, which were like, you know, the dark Pokemon like you we saw in the Team Rocket cards. You know, that, that was like kind of that first transfer over where like Team Rocket cards had those dark Pokemon, which were the bad versions of like, you know, Dark Raichu and like, mm-hmm. you know. Um, now, do they say how they make the the dark pokemon like to a point do they keep it pretty pc or does it, or i say like they were abused like like what 
what do they go what lengths do they go to it might say the word abuse but it doesn't go into detail it just there's like a machine and a lab you visit and it's the lab where they turn pokemon dark um but other than that it's not very clear on what happened to them Mm-hmm. Just that we're bad guys and we make them bad at this laboratory. And your mind kind of fills in the gaps. You, If you're a child in this era, you've – all the evil labs that you've seen in TV and cartoons and stuff like that, you have an idea of what might have happened, but they do leave it. That's like a, that's like a step too far for the edginess. Mm-hmm. Now, we've said evil team, evil team. Um, now, what was the, the, the villains in this game? Did they go by a team name per se, or? Yeah, uh, Cipher. Cipher uh, was the name of the team. Uh, they had admins and things like that, and then you just had like it was a really interesting like gray area. You had guys like Mirror B who are uh, just seem to be like the rogues, the gamblers, the the like your shady Han Solo types. Mm-hmm. But Cipher were the big bads. So it's interesting to not have Team Rocket be a thing. Um, it seemed like they were kind of the perfect choice for that. Um, and we don't ever see this team anywhere else, I don't believe. Did they make the return in XD, or is that a different scenario entirely? I think it was still Cypher. Okay. I, but it, it's one of those weird like Team Rocket in Gen 2 where they're the same, but they've also been in hiding, or they've been kind of like rebuilding after the events of the mm-hmm. first one. So the, in that way, it, while people say XD is a, is a rehash, in a lot of ways it is, it is also a direct sequel. Yeah. So um, let's talk a bit about the story. Uh, you know, it starts out really edgy, and you, you bust in, and you're you're raiding basically the bad guys. Um so where does it progress from there? Um, now, you guys have recently played this. Um, and I know you were playing it in preparation for this. So um, what what uh, what's the next story be that, that, that hit? The next story, be, as far as I recall, is uh, you're, you meet a uh, you meet this girl and she can see the aura of the shadow Pokemon. She can see that they're shadow. Okay. So that's not apparent to everybody then? No. Not at first. Okay. Did they later give your hero the ability to see that on their own, or did you have to have that, that partner along the whole way? In Kalsima, you I'm pretty sure you have to have the partner the whole way. In XD, they give you like a like a Dragon Ball Z visor to be able to tell. <laughs> but in, in Coliseum, they... they uh, She's with you like the entire time, and there's actually parts where she's not with you, if I remember, and you don't mm-hmm. see it, and then you fight that person later and realize that they had a shadow, and then you get to catch it. Hmm. Uh, Robbie, this seems like a the setting you said it was kind of dark and gritty. You start out in this sandy area. Is is it kind of like a Mad Max esh esque <laughs> like theme here? Is it like not necessarily post apocalyptic, but just run down maybe? Yeah, there's a debate on where it takes place. Like, some people say it takes place in Nevada, in America, whereas some people say it takes place in uh, 
the prefecture in Japan, there's um, though there's a little bit more support towards Nevada. I think oh, there was one way or the other, but yeah, it's like it is. It's like the desert kind of like you know run down. There's like saloons and things, or at least hinted at. You know, like um, there's a, almost a Western feel to it, um, but it's still within the sci-fi. So it's almost like you know, like that you know space cowboy kind of feel you know like trigun and you know uh outlaw star and cowboy Cowboy bebop yeah (laughs) so um and that it very much is there is kind of like oh hey this not everything in the pokemon world is like perfect you know there's like you know we have like team rockets and stuff but there's you know there's rundown places there's you know And you'd have to think, you know, they're in the desert. And even with Pokemon, like, it's probably, you know, there's places where humans would be able to survive more than they could, you know, like in our world. But at the same time, it'd still be difficult to live there. And Mm -hmm. Now, did it seem too, like, very run down? That's what I seem to be remembering is, like, not not only was it kind of like a desert wasteland, but it just seemed like some things were kind of not quite working. Like, even, like, the, the... bike or the hover bike or whatever the heck it was that he was driving um it seemed kind of like pieced together in some ways was am i remembering that correctly or there was a sense of the rundown nature of everything um but also like it was just it was sort of like like you said sort of a mad maxian or judge dreadian were in the fact that it's like that bike was putting out smoke <laughs> and mm-hmm. things seemed things were very industrial. Now then you had you had a, like a like a green village that was all like the trees and nature, and you had like the labs which were very sterile and advanced. So it's like a weird sort of like it does. It's a lot more sci-fi elements in in a Pokemon game than you would you seen like up until that point. It was very sci-fi. Well. In the comics and stuff, Pokemon had always been kind of more along the sci-fi. It's actually even more sci-fi than this, but this was the first foray in like the video games where we got to see how much sci-fi it is. Like in the, it's interesting because in like Leaf Green and Fire Red, they kind of went more towards the sci-fi elements. Like your town map is like actually a holographic projection that you pull out and stuff, and that. And that was kind of the leaning like they had in the comics. And then starting in Generation 4, and they, they kind of went, they started making Pokemon more fantasy as opposed to sci-fi. So like you had uh, elements with Pokemon existing way before, you know, like um, humans and Pokemon interacting since like ancient times and stuff when before it was kind of in the lore it had been something more new, like... Whereas in like most regions in the Pokemon world were had their real world counterparts like Lieutenant Surge is referred to as an American in the red, blue and yellow games. Um, and Kanto is actually just actually uh, the area name for name in Japan and stuff, whereas later um, regions, they started naming them slightly differently, like Johto and stuff isn't actually a region in Japan. Um and but yeah that's kind of very interesting like this push towards the sci-fi make like really like kind of putting the sci-fi to the forefront and how this game sold and did and then nintendo kind of going in the opposite direction going there you know 
from there on like and switching up with fourth gen but that's actually something they were messing with at the time like in gen 3 um we could have had a little bit more freedom in things like they could have gone away with the uh tile system that pokemon's known for but the uh in order to keep the game within cost they you know they kind of kept the tile system and stuff and but they also went towards um one of the things they want to do is make Pokemon look more unique. And so Pokemon have interesting, some say started to have interesting design choices in um, gen three with like certain details and stuff. They would just add detail to make the Pokemon look more unique in some ways, mm-hmm. um, like holes in the bottom of feet of certain Pokemon, you know, like nose pass and things like things that you don't know, don't necessarily need to be there, but they would do that for that extra level of detail and there because it was under kind of like a transformation at the time because they didn't expect pokemon to go beyond generation two like generation two was their last you know foray with this and so they um went with the so in generation three they were trying to mix things up and in generation four they even mix things up more so so it's interesting to see like i think coliseum is very much a reflection of them trying to mix things up it's like hey let's make pokemon a little bit more edgy and see how that does and i think it was just a little bit ahead of its time because i don't think the people who really pokemon was aimed at originally were old enough at that time and with the issue of it being on the gamecube and that being seen as like kind of more of a kiddie console like it just didn't really help it so it's like but yeah, it's, I very much think it's a product of that time and like Game Freak's direction with the franchise. Like, and it was nice. Like, I like it. It's definitely refreshing in that aspect of like its visuals and like its story and things. And it was a break from because it was the first console uh, Pokemon adventure, though it was more of a spinoff in that aspect. Like, it wasn't tile based, so you yeah. could move that the full range motion. Um, which was nice. Uh, I don't recall much of the camera. Was there a lot of camera play in that, or was it kind of automatic? That, that was actually kind of an issue because the camera would, it was, it was, yeah, it was automatic. But there's times where you'd kind of get stuck, um, and uh, you'd also have issues with, you know, the your the person following you too and stuff, and trying to you know having to move <laughs> them out of the way and stuff and. So, and for the most part, it was fine. Like, you know, there was just a few areas where the camera would kind of clip and stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, and I really feel like the wild area in the current games is like very, it feels so much more free. Like, you know, going from the tile-based system to Coliseum was felt so freeing. And then mm-hmm. going from and you know, actually having free camera movement in the wild area like I still notice it like when I go to the non wild areas like I'll just out of habit try to move the camera I'm like oh yeah I'm not in the wild area I can't move the camera so <laughs> I think it's I think it's worth noting too though that it and it was a lot of ways ahead of its time because uh it it was trying to do something that it graphically just couldn't keep up with it's interesting to look at this game which came out in 04 and Yes, it's comparing apples to oranges a little bit, but it doesn't look nearly as gorgeous as something like Mario Sunshine. It's very polygonal, very, very. It's kind of showing the limitations of the GameCube in a lot of ways, 
and it, it's worth noting too that it's one of it's uh it wasn't actively developed by Game Freak. Yeah. It was uh by by uh producer's uh, genius sonority. Um and so that 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 too might have had a little bit to do with uh what some people might call dips in quality mm-hmm. but were just made the game kind of quirky. And that's something that was kind of echoed in later iterations. Um the uh the Pokemon ga- console games that came after that didn't have a lot of depth to them. Um and it was it was bare bones. Like you didn't get that story later on. After XD it didn't really continue on. You could just basically have a place to battle your Pokemon on a big screen. But that was about all that they had to offer. So this this kind of set up that framework and I don't even think they even used much else. I think they use a lot of the same assets for those games that later came out. Um, well, up until Coliseum and XD Gale Darkness, they were still using the same assets from the original stadium games. That's why some of the Pokemon models look a little rough. Because, yeah, they would update them and stuff, but there's only so much you can do with models made back in the 64. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, starting with Battle Revolution for the Wii, they did start using different models. And then in, what was it, fifth generation, when they started doing, like, the full, no, sixth generation. Sixth generation, when they started doing the full 3D models, they made models to be future-proof. So they designed all these models so that they could be expanded. And actually, the models, one of the things like Nintendo was getting kind of some flack for was in Sun and Moon, not Sun and Moon, uh, in uh, Sword and Shield, the models were supposed to be new, but they actually are just those future-proof models still, like, or mm-hmm. at least very close to those future-proof models. Um, I liked a lot of the things that this game brought to the table. I don't think that it was ambitious enough. Um, it didn't. It wasn't quite as grandiose. It definitely wasn't a big, full-fledged Pokemon story. Like if you're if you're looking for that on a console, like you're not going to get that until today with Sword and Shield. <laughs> if you can even count that as as a console version, because it's both. But um, but it it was something new and something great to step out on the scene um, and have. Pokemon's first foray on the on the the big screen uh, with an adventure, and that was really cool. Um, there's a lot of things that I see pop up here and there that kind of remind me of Colosseum. Um, I think most recently with Pokemon Home, uh, the Pokemon Professor, it's Professor Oak. <laughs> he's got these ridiculous glasses on, and it's like I don't know why, but that like ridiculous sunglasses kind of reminded me of the ridiculous sunglasses the main character had in this game. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> And those were a very popular uh, style of sunglasses in the 80s, too. So it's like, there's you, you know, you kind of have a feeling of who was developing this game. <laughs> I think, you know, we've talked a lot of what's great about Coliseum. It does have a couple limitations that mm-hmm. were actually made better by XD Gale Darkness. In Coliseum, you have to save at Poke Center, like or like the Poke Center box machines. You have to save there. You cannot save anywhere, which is sort of a, which is weird for Pokemon. I know that's a, a regular thing in games like in the older Metroid and Zelda games and things like that, but for Pokemon that is incre- That was the first time that I'd ever been where you, you can't save here. You have to walk back to save, and that's what makes the game like Robbie mentioned earlier so grindy. Yeah. Um, and that that was the that's the one major thing 
that Exegol Darkness did better. In that way, Exegol Darkness is not a better story, but it does have some of those quality of life updates. That's interesting too, like because this game also very much feels like a GameCube game in that era. Like think of Tales of Symphonia. Like mm-hmm. they actually, there's actually a lot of similar elements with like design and stuff, with like the futuristic parts and stuff, mm-hmm. and and having to save at specific locations and stuff. Um, and there's a few others, like I was thinking of like Custom Robo and things like. There very much is a product of its time, like, and yeah, like those few issues, like would be a marked improvement if we ever got a uh, like a updated version of Coliseum like you know Coliseum HD like that would be like one of the things I would like to see like you know being able to save anywhere and you know just Mm -hmm. certain uh, improvements like that yeah um no I don't think that there was any wild element to this game you you were limited to the shadow Pokemon that you came across you can catch those that was it you can snag them I should say yeah there were no wild that was one thing they added in um in XD, and I think the only purpose they serve in XD is to allow you to have Pokemon to trade back to Ruby and Sapphire mm-hmm. and Emerald so that you could kind of use XD as an extra storage space um, if you needed to. And it made so trading over teams and things like that a lot easier if you had some junk Pokemon to trade over uh, later. Um, but yeah, the the catching mechanic or the snagging mechanic is very much just tied to the character, the Pokemon you encounter throughout the game in battle. Um, this isn't the only... Uh, now, we'll, we'll not do an episode on this game, obviously. It was barely even a game, but I did want to mention here um, <laughs> the Pokemon storage box, box. Yeah. That, that was on GameCube. Uh, and... It was uh, just a big, giant box to store your Pokemon. Like, what Pokemon... Um, you'd use a tra- Pokemon transporter to transport it into... And it's already lost... I've lost what it's called. What's the Pokemon thing for the online feature that they had before home? Oh, bank? Yeah, bank. Yeah, it, it was just basically a Pokemon bank that you had just on your GameCube. Um, and that's all that it was. It's actually a really rare GameCube game. Yeah. Uh, I almost got it too. Uh, it I just, I was actually, I had never heard of it till today when I was uh, doing a little bit of like preparatory catch up research. Uh, I'd never heard of it uh, at all. And I was reading the fandom page. So. <laughs> um, I remember seeing that available for pre-order. <laughs> yeah. And the thing was, is like it only worked with uh, Ruby and Sapphire, so that's why I ended up not getting it. Like, mm-hmm. ended up like as I said before on the show, pre-ordering Emerald and getting that. And um, but since it didn't work with Emerald, like I remember, I think I even remember seeing it in, like the bargain bin at Game Crazy, like, <laughs> and like now how much it's worth is like, why didn't I just like get it? It's like, why didn't I just buy it? <laughs> um, I remember seeing that one, one in particular. Uh, sitting up on their i think it was their security tv or something at gamestop and it was I, i'd always, i'd have the money i had the money to buy it and i could have gotten it i had money to blow like i didn't even care um i ended up go, i think actually getting a pokemon game instead uh just because you know i couldn't i couldn't justify getting just a box that would just sit on my gamecube you know and do nothing 
Um, but also I was, I was eyeing what I couldn't afford. There was the, the Resident Evil chainsaw controller that was sitting up there too. <laughs> they were both collecting dust up there and like, you know, those things that I really wish I would have grabbed. Um, but I'm glad that I did pre-order this Coliseum initially and get that bonus disc. Um, I felt like that was totally worth it. Um, oh yeah. You know, there was no pre-order bonus for the, the Pokemon box, I don't believe. Um, now, was there any Pokemon that you could get that were unique to this game that you could transfer over to Ruby and Sapphire? Well, oh. it, well yeah, the, the Ho, but Ho was a weird case. You could only get Ho, you, so you could fight Mount Battle in-game, like in story mode, mm-hmm. or outside of the game with either your team from story mode, or you could bring over a team... Well, no, you had to bring over the team and trade it over and transfer it over. So you could fight outside of story mode, a mount battle run uh, that would save your progress as you as you went along. Uh, and if you went to all 100 battles in mount battle and won, you got a hoe gifted to you uh, and put into your box. But what was uh, unique at the time about this, other than hoe, was it was one of the first and easiest ways, you know, pre... Um, pre fire red and leaf green or in the sort of same time period to get Johto Pokemon, a lot of the gen two Pokemon, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you could get the middle form evolutions of the three Johto starters. And then you could get, uh, you, uh, you got Entei, Raikou and, uh, Suicune. And leaf green and fire red, you got one of the legendary dogs based on which starter you had. And then Emerald was when they gave you one of the Johto starters after beating the game. You met with Professor Elm. And and, and you could actually get all three Johto starters in XD Gala Darkness. But to do it, which I've done it now twice, I've gotten all three of them twice because I, I lost three of them. You have to beat Mountain Battle. And you then you get to choose one of the starters that has a special move and the hyper beam form like blast burn frenzy plant, mm-hmm. um, and then you have to beat it a hundred again and get the other one and beat it a hundred again oh, and no. get the third one, and I've done that twice now. I've beat Mount oh, wow. Battle set by set seven eight times total in the game between the two games. That's impressive. It's a lot of hours. <laughs> and the Definitely. in this game in Coliseum, in order to get the starter, you had to walk through a certain door, which was a certain color, which I didn't understand at the time that mechanic. Mm-hmm. And so I went through. I just went through. I, I think this, the first door, or whatever. There, there was a green door, and I ended up getting, you know, bay leaf. You know, if I had known at the time, I would have walked through the red door and gotten, you know, Quilava because yeah. I yeah. like Typhlosion. <laughs> <laughs> um. Now, there wasn't any shiny mechanic in this game, I don't believe. Um, I don't. I was reading today that Pokemon could be shiny. Yeah, every Pokemon oh. had a 1 in 8,000, whatever the number is, chance of being shiny. But the game was flawed in that the the trainer um, number, you know, the trainer code, when you snagged it, switched from whoever you stole it from. And that could reset the shininess. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So you were, if you, you, uh, but you then had the same amount of chance, the same one in 8,000, whatever it is, to get a shiny. Like you catch it and then it becomes shiny once you, once you catch it or huh. once you purify it. But yeah. it, uh, so it was, it's not a game I would suggest trying to shiny hunt in. No, <laughs> no. But it is, it, it did exist. And that's another thing I never knew because I never got any. And I was uh, reading that today. So that's interesting. To- you don't ever really hear about it, but you could probably transfer these Pokemon into your 
your Game Boy Advance games and then port them all the way over to today's gen and Pokemon mm-hmm. Home if you wanted to. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> there were certain moves like that Pokemon got. Um, most of them weren't really competitive, but like XD Gale of Darkness had some, like, you know, you getting a routes that could learn sing and things like that. I think it's actually a Curlia, but um there when you purified the Pokemon, the shadow Pokemon, so um so there were certain Pokemon that people would transfer up just to have like an exclusive move on, but it wasn't incredibly common for the most part because most yeah. of the moves were trash, like, you know, sing on a Gardevoir. Uh, actually sing on a Gallade is actually something I've seen like in competitive play, but Besides that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are some similarities that you can pull from this game. I feel like this game was ahead of its time because it was a natural evolution of a lot of things. But we see a lot of similarities in Sword and Shield to this game. Um, going it, The epicness of like snagging a Pokemon um, is, is pretty much the epicness of catching these Gigantamax Pokemon, these, these Dynamax Pokemon, like throwing the giant ball and stuff. It's like <laughs> this epic scene of trying to catch it. And it's like, that kind of gives me that, that snag feel from back in the day. Um, yeah, yeah, the snag machine was cool because it's like the Pokeball materializes in the hand. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't see it pull out where in this or in other games it's like you pull it out or you don't see that inner, that action at all. It would, and it was this this metallic thing up your arm that was really cool looking. It materializes in your hand. It had a cool mechanic or like a cool throw animation. I mean, um, it was like, yeah, you said it was just really cool and really edgy. And it's actually I think it's kind of fitting that you've spent the last few weeks talking Sonic because this is sort of Pokemon's edgy phase. Yeah. uh, And in a way that most a lot of people, you know, at the time just weren't on board for because they weren't old enough. (laughs) Oh, this this game has a special place in my heart. Um, I remember I was blazing through games at this time. Like I just uh, I didn't appreciate games a whole lot, so I burned through the story really fast. And I didn't really have much desire to go through like the big mount battles or anything like that. Like and and get into the competitive side of Pokemon. I didn't. I just got strong Pokemon with strong move that that fainted Pokemon and, and that was, that was the extent of my Pokemon understanding at the time. Uh, nothing competitive whatsoever about that. So, uh, you know, I was disappointed that the game was short and I know that I didn't have it very long before I traded it in. Um, and I kind of wish I hadn't, but it's, it's definitely got some really cool, like ahead of its time, push the envelope, like grow Pokemon to a new level elements that i respect it for it's definitely something to to look at Um, yeah and there's there's one mechanic we haven't talked about too much and that is that it really relies heavily on the double battle Mm -hmm. it's almost exclusively double battle i think it actually i think it is exclusively double battle um and it was it was it was uh you know pokemon really leaning into that mechanic that they introduced in gen 3 Mm -hmm. and taking it to its uh it's extreme version. Do you think it was a compensation because they didn't feel like enough people were using that mechanic in the well, Nintendo Nintendo has this thing of like kind of 
forcing new mechanics on people sometimes <laughs> like they really like i'm well aware <laughs> you'll enjoy this you really you'll enjoy this here and like i think that's one of the things that really hurt the game actually was that you were forced to do double battles because double battles requires a whole other level of strategy to them and things because like you could just team up two on one on one pokemon and knock it out really quickly you know but the thing is is like actually to this day poke the nintendo's official pokemon tournaments are double battles they're always double battles so nintendo really likes this form of pokemon combat mm-hmm. you know you have other pokemon tournaments and stuff but those aren't usually like your official nintendo ones the official mm-hmm. nintendo ones are double battles and so um yeah that's and the thing is is they a lot of the pokemon they give you have certain moves like you know one of your starters has helping hand which is a move that is exclusively good for double battles and things and so they also kind of lock you out of other good moves until the end of the game like taunt that would really help in double battles but you can't get that until after you beat the story yeah Hmm. yeah i don't i I, as someone who's never been in and definitely wasn't at the time into the whole competitive thing it, the the double battles were fun, but they're tiresome because they just because of all the animations they take longer. Mm-hmm. They take longer, and that like we go back, we've mentioned it a couple times the grindiness of the game, and you know it's it's interesting too for me personally as someone who has played through and nearly gotten either gotten beaten the league or gotten to the league of every Pokemon mainline game and these two GameCube games except first Sun Moon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. I kind of get tired of the same old, same old building your team, blah, blah, blah. So when I played this game, I started off with my Umbreon and my Espeon, and that was my team until I caught Entei, until I caught Suicune, until I caught Raikou, and I finished the game with the legendary dogs and two the two evolutions you start with. And a lot of people are like, well, that's cheating. You use the legendaries. But when you've played every game you know, and you're not big in the competitive scene, it's nice to just mix up the play style. Mm-hmm. And this game kind of allowed you to do that, and it allowed you to build. Umbreon is a tank, and Espeon is a is, is just a special attack that's off the charts. Mm-hmm. And so it's a nice combination to throw those two out there. Um, and I think they were smart in giving us Gen two Pokemon that were almost universally adored as your starters. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because the uh, Gen two starters are also featured sometimes in the intro. Uh, but the actual legendaries on the box aren't available in the game. Like you, you well, can fight them, but you can't get them. Yeah, you and you actually Kyogre doesn't appear. Yeah, and actually just Kyogre a... appears. Uh, Groudon does not appear. You get the three legendary uh, dogs from Gen Two, mm-hmm. but Groudon and Kyogre are not catchable in the game. And you can only the only you can see a Kyogre in Mount Battle to fight, and it's in the last battle. Hmm. Interesting. Which is, uh, I was reading, apparently the only time that's happened in a, in a Pokemon game that was about battling and catching. It wasn't one of the like, Mystery Dungeons or Ranger or whatever. Uh, it's one of the few. Um, it's like, the only time where a, a Pokemon appeared on the cover and you could not catch it in the game. Hmm. Um, I did want to touch, uh, ask a couple questions about uh, similar elements to Pokemon. Um, did this Pokemon have its own unique, uh, this Pokemon game have its own unique professor? Did it have, like, the 
Nurse Joys? Did it have the Pokemon centers, the item places? Like, did it have some of these things um, in it, or was it was it its own make well, its own strides in that? It the Pokemon centers like there was yes one yeah. or two. And then mostly there's the actual machines from the Pokemon centers that you could heal your Pokemon at and things. Um, and then there's like certain mechanics, like in the underground area, there's a um, vending machine where you can get like soda and lemonade and water, which is always a mechanic, which was one of the frustrating mechanics in Sword and Shield because they limit you to getting one at a time like the old games. I'm like, no, <laughs> they made this so much better. Why did you have to go back to just one at a time? I can go and order multiple like vending things at a vending machine. Like, why do you in Japan? Like, why do you make me have to get one? <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm looking here on. I'm looking up because I had kind of forgotten there isn't a Pokemon professor in this game. Hmm. There, there is one in XD, Professor Crane, because actually you live. Your mom like works in the Pokemon HQ lab in that game, but there isn't a professor you run into. Um, yeah, this game only has an elder, the um, the old man in the green village. In Agave or whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah, there's there's an old man who who you can deal with, um, but and he's the one who gives you, I think, the lucky egg in the second game. Um, but yeah, no no professor, not a ton of like I think there were Nurse Joys in like the one Poke Center that appears maybe. Um, you did have. A gym leader? I think there was a couple... There, or it wasn't quite gym leaders, but you had very similar styles, very similar things. Um, so in a lot of ways, it was a complete departure from the structure of the other games. Mm-hmm. And I'd say in a lot of ways, it was refreshing. Um, a lot of people have gotten burnt out by a lot of the Poke- things Pokemon's been doing. And then Sun and Moon came out and changed some things, uh, like, you know, the whole gym battle thing is kind of, you know, they have the trials and stuff, they kind of mix things up, but really this was the game that started to mix that formula up and, and break the monotony of it. Um, and again, you did mention they, they did the double battles primarily, um, and that's something that to push on, that was probably them saying, hey, there's more strategy than just one-on-one battling, like, it opens up so much more doing the doubles. Like there's so many intricacies um, with that. Um, I like what they've done with this. Now, do you see any future knowing that this pushes the envelope and changes up the formula? Do you see any future for games like this, like a stadium, a Coliseum? Um, do you think it's even necessary anymore to do this now that the switch is both home console and portable? I unfortunately don't don't see it happening. I could see if Nintendo gets into like a week, you know, uh, oh no, two of our big name games have gotten pushed back to two or three years down the road. Let's throw something out at the people uh, or the next Pokemon game's taking too long to develop. Let's just HD remake. Perhaps I just I don't think there's there's a need for it. But I wish what we have would do some of the things that XD and Coliseum did. Mm-hmm. The the Pokemon battles still do not look as good 
from an animation and sort of make you feel like you're in a battle okay. like they do in Coliseum and XD Yellow Darkness. Um, it, the animations are now even kind of like, actually I, I felt like some of Sword and Shield's animations were a step down from X and Y mm-hmm. uh, in some ways. That's fair. So, so I want to see that, like I want to, I, I think the time is now for the mainline games to have that 3d Coliseum stadium style battle. And if they gave us that, I'm okay if they never go as edgy or as weird um, again. And also, too, I think part of the charm of these games is the, the, the strange characters. In in the generations prior, Gen 1 and 2 and a little bit of Gen 3, you have characters with like interesting or strange or off-putting like, flavor text when you would talk to them. But Mir B is a dude with a like a purple afro... Red and white. Red and white, yeah. Red and white after. Yeah, that's why I always get him mixed up with the Grateful Dead logo. He actually looks a lot like the Grateful Dead uh, um, band's logo. but And he's wearing, like, disco suit, and it's a little too tight. <laughs> um, and, he's, and he's one of, you know, he's sort of... And some of the some of the characters, especially more in uh, Gale of Darkness, are sort of like Professor E. Gad esque mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in a sort of really over the top, like, but charming weirdness. And but we're starting to get that now. We're starting to get that. You know, our gym leaders have personalities. Yes. Our rivals have personalities, and that so that's that's kind of a cool. I think we just I think we're we're there. They just haven't given us that 3D battle that we really really want. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your opinion, Robbie? Well, uh, I wasn't a huge fan of Mirror B, but if I would have to pick Mirror B <laughs> over Shieldbert and Swordbert, I would take Mirror B in a heartbeat. Like... Amen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, I've never wanted to cut someone's hair so much. <laughs> <laughs> Is it I'm bad? I think I, blo- I think I blocked them out of my memory because I had forgotten about <laughs> them and I just beat Sword like a month ago. <laughs> I was so embarrassed by them. Yeah, I was like, oh, oh, they, they, yeah, they, they hurt me a little bit. Like, <laughs> I, I understand, like, their, their whole, like, it's where Pokemon goes a little bit over the top, like, a little bit too far. Like, the concept of Shieldbert and Swordbert were great. It was just, they went over the top with their hairdos. Like, we get it. They're supposed to be, like, thinking they're, like, you know the royalty and stuff and the heirs to the like original heroes and stuff. Yeah. You, you don't have to just make it like, just throw it in our face. Like I, even <laughs> young kids are going to be able to understand what they're, you know, trying to do there. Uh, but no, like, um, yeah, like one, like we've been talking about the animations and stuff, like the, the sense of adventure. Like that was one of the things is like Coliseum being short is like, when people say a game is short, that means they want to play it more and like they, they like it. Like, you know, like that's the thing, even though if we got a longer version of Coliseum, I would want it to be less grindy. <laughs> like, <laughs> fair, that's, fair. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, Tales of Savonia, you know, which we've talked about before, have has struck a really good balance, I think, between the grind and the story. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is like, Pokemon has kind of shied away from its RPG roots because it is an RPG game, you know, it yeah. is. And like, I want more of that. Like, the Sword and Shield tried to give us that, but I just think it was a little bit awkward. Like, I wanted to be like 
you know, I want to be playing Pokemon. I want to. I love that part where you fight your you know rival and stuff. Like, not to give any spoilers away, but you know, and how he reacts to that and all, and like his genuine emotion to that is like, oh, that's really good. Okay, now let's go break this up and save the world. Like, <laughs> it's like, and I'm like, Pokemon doesn't need to save the world like all the time. Like, um, I like when you know there's regional conflicts when there's you know like dealing with criminals like Team Rocket and stuff. That's good and stuff. But we don't need a, a apocalyptic thing. And that's the issue with like power scaling stories and stuff. Like you know, they think they have to make each story is like oh this. This could destroy the world. Oh, this could destroy the galaxy. Oh, this could destroy all reality. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> and so it's like, it just, it just gets a little bit away from them. And so I think though that if, yeah, I could see us getting an HD remake of Coliseum with some quality of life improvements, maybe well, at maybe some time. Yeah. Like right. me, like, like Coliseum and XD Gale of Darkness, you know, together, like it wouldn't put it past them though. They've kind of, you know, because we did get, you know, like Legend of Zelda HD remake on uh, Twilight Princess on, you know, the Wii U and stuff. And so they can, you know, definitely make these GameCube games look better. Like, you know, that's completely within their capacity. But um, especially with not having the linking to the Game Boy Advance games, unless they would do some weird... Well, no, because we have the GameCube adapter. <laughs> so... <laughs> So there's a possibility, but no, I I would think that we would get probably not just an HD upscaling, but an actual proper remake if they did actually remake one of these games. And it would have like the newer Pokemon in it, you know, kind of like they were doing with like the remake of the start of Pokemon with Ash and like Incineroar being there and stuff. Like they would they would insert some of the newer Pokemon or at least um put like we probably get megas in it or something you know like um alpha ruby and omega sapphire maybe we'll get like delta coliseum or something you know like that but <laughs> don't do that to me <laughs> don't give me hope <laughs> so uh bear with me a second i haven't fully explored this idea um but you know before pokemon home was a thing um before like separate from that they had a bunch of like mini games and things that you could do on their website you could like there was like the dream thing that you could do where you could put your pokemon in um like put them to sleep in like a dream and you go into this dream world and do mini games and things with them oh yeah the dream world yeah <laughs> so um i'm imagining that this is going to be something like that world that dream world is going to be making a comeback in home there's going to be a lot more stuff you can do with home and that's kind of where I see them going with upgrading over time. You'll be able to do like battles in home and do like basically home become that Coliseum. Um, or you can kind of battle anywhere, anywhere on your phone or whatever. And I just would do like, battles and things. Very much for that. Like that's direct my... competition to like, uh, I, I want to say shoddy battle. That's not right. That's, that's outdated, but whatever is uh, the current. Oh no. The current is um, Pokemon showdown. Like like showdown like that, but Pokemon's own version like using home to be that springboard. You already have your all your Pokemon in there. Why not make it so you can battle in there too? Um, and and it wouldn't necessarily have to be like super graphically awesome. I mean you're working on cell phones here, and that leave that for the games, the mainline games now. Now, but you have like a mobile Pokemon experience where you can do battles and things too. Like so that's kind of where I see this evolving. I'm gonna say something slightly controversial here. 
yes. but I think the uh, art assets in home for the Pokemon look better than Sword and Shield. <laughs> like they have more sure. character, like Vileplume, yeah. like covering up the one eye with little, you know, with the, <laughs> the petals and stuff. I was like, oh, I love that. That's like, mm, that's like what Pokemon should be. <laughs> well, I don't know if you saw, but uh, they used some of the original like stances of the original sprites yeah. and yeah. made them 3D. Like that's the great. So, so like them going with home and doing some of that stuff and then having their main story stuff in their actual Pokemon games and just focusing on story, but building all their assets and things in home to just do the battles and stuff. Um, it could become a thing. Like there's so much they can do with home. It's, I, I see a lot of potential there if they do it right, you know, and they yeah. don't make another version like, okay, they have bank. Now they have home. Now they have something else. You know, I, yeah. they can really expand on what they have here and uh, I wish, go forward. I wish a Nintendo would, uh, I w- or Pokemon or whoever you want to say, I wish they would at least throw a bone to these games. Like, why can't Team Cypher be in Pokemon Masters? Mm-hmm. Which is not a game I've played, but I, you know, why can't it be there? Why can't Mir be pop up somewhere? He's the kind of character who it just makes sense to just like, you know, he could be like the ghost girl from Gen 5 or Gen 6, whatever mm-hmm. Gen that was. He could just pop up randomly, um, Honestly, I think some of these characters, like a Mir B character, would make would be a fun addition to Pokemon Go. You know, they brought in the Shadow Pokemon. Give me, give me like a Mir B who I can fight, or maybe like let people join Mir B's team. Let them leave the three teams. You know, but go Team Valor. But let them leave the three teams and fight, te- uh, <laughs> fight, uh, fight with Mir B. You know, I, I, I just throw these games a bone. There was enough there that we can still chew on it a little bit. Um, and the the cipher peons look kind of cool. They're in their weird like Power weird, Rangers, like, Power Ranger bandanas and stuff like that. Like just just give us just give us a little bit, you know, or or make it so like a. There's no reason Nintendo couldn't give us like a bike upgrade option where you get the scooter from XD, or you get the in the wild area yeah. you can have his his motorcycle. Like, I would pay five dollars to be have be able to have his motorcycle in the wild area. <laughs> Yeah, that would be epic. Or the snag <laughs> as just like a costume item, like <laughs> that's something I'd like to see them do is more costume items and callbacks to that stuff. That'd be great. Um, Which some of these things we are talking about are being in you know in the DLC, like more wild area and stuff, more free camera stuff, more costumes and stuff. So it I could see them. You know, this is very much something they could do, like doing themed dlc releases and stuff you know like third gen like oh hey you get all these like third gen character costumes and they could include coliseum and xt gale darkness stuff in that can we get can we get uh more uh npcs who are like like every third npc is a bodybuilder because that's what it was like in coliseum (laughs) these people are hulks in a world of of hawkeyes they're just they're they're giants Oh, so that, uh, oh, that, I was just gonna say that's actually something we didn't talk about. Was this game also was one of the first games to have different trainer types? Because um, we had you know bodybuilders and things like that weren't seen before as trainer types. You know they they the only train there was only a few trainer types actually from the original games in this, which most people don't realize, but. Uh, they had like the fun old ladies and the fun old men, and like, <laughs> 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 uh, 
but yeah like seeing more trainer types like i i like that like i like more trainer classes and you know maybe pokemon will one day allow us to pick our own type of trainer class that we could possibly level up and you know you know like a psychic trainer class that could teleport without a pokemon knowing teleport or a bodybuilder class that could use strength outside of combat or something I just want I just want like a bard or a warrior poet. Like I want that to be like when I when my friends see my profile, it says warrior poet, you know, <laughs> Tony whatever, bard whatever, something something like that. Um, would be really cool to like have my own kind of thing. So so your Pokemon's a Meloetta. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I still want to use good Pokemon, but <laughs> hey, shots fired. <laughs> My, my my students are going to listen to this and call me a Gen 1-er. I know it's going to happen. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think that brings us to the end of the Pokemon Coliseum episode. Uh, thank you so much uh, for listening. And thank you, Robbie and Tony, for coming on the show. Um, go ahead and plug in your, your, your Twitter handles and your, your where they can find you. Uh, go ahead, Tony. All right. Um, if you guys just want to find me in the chat and add me on Facebook, that'd be that'd be cool. Or you can uh, send me an email at thevulcanbard at gmail.com or follow me at the underscore Vulcan underscore bard on Twitter. And Robbie? Uh, as always, you know, I'm in the chat. So just, you know, anytime we're in there, just, you know, send me a message or anything, you know. Uh, and uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at uh, stoic underscore hero. Um uh, that's the stoic hero but at stoic underscore hero cool uh, you can find me at metroid hunter and uh um you can find the show at uh the nintendo village.com slash nintendo nostalgia you can listen to the show on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and youtube uh you can also find us on our facebook at nintendo nos on our twitter at nintendo underscore nos shoot us an email at nintendo nostalgia in at gmail.com and um, you can also find us on our Instagram at Nintendo NOSIN. Guys, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next week. Later, Preston. Later. Thank you. See ya.